Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Today, I want to talk about training people for evangelism. Training evangelists. Teaching people in your church how to share their faith more effectively. This is one of the biggest changes over my lifetime of ministry leadership. When I started out as a pastor, most, if uh, many, if not most churches had a consistent program for training their members how to share their faith with others. Today, it's rare that you find a church that's doing that effectively, consistently, and in an ongoing fashion. We see the results of this here at the seminary. We teach evangelism here at Gateway, and in our evangelism classes, we require students to share their faith or to, to attempt to share the gospel a certain number of times during a semester. When I first came to the seminary 20 years ago, um, it was common for a few students to say in class that they had never shared their faith before, and seminary was their first opportunity at doing so. Now, it's very common for seminary students to say that they've never shared their faith one-on-one with another person before they were asked to do so in a seminary classroom. Second, 20 years ago, it was very common that a seminary student who came to Gateway could reference at least some point in their spiritual past with the church of their origin that they had had evangelism training. Now, it's very rare, very rare, that a student says, oh, I've had extensive evangelism training in my local church prior to my coming to seminary. So the hard reality is this. We are having fewer and fewer people in churches who know how to share their faith and are doing so on a personal basis with any real level of consistency. And along with that, we have fewer and fewer churches that have a consistent approach to training people to share their faith, which results in more and more people uh, sharing the gospel with others. Now, this is personal with me because of an experience I had in my first pastorate. My evangelism training plan in my early pastoral days was twofold. Number one, to share the gospel with as many people as I possibly could on an individual basis. And number two, preach harsh sermons attacking my church members for not living up to my stellar example. And by preaching those sermons, I was convinced I was motivating them to share the gospel. Well, one Sunday I preached a particularly pointed message about the need to share the gospel. And when I concluded, one of my most loyal and faithful and devoted church members was standing right in front of me on the platform. And when I finished saying the closing prayer and turned to him, he said, don't ever do that to me again. 
And I said, do what? And he said, don't ever preach to me something you've never trained me to do. Well, that was a sobering conversation. You know, when some peripheral critic who's always negative about everything says something, you can ignore it or move on from it fairly quickly. But when one of your best members, most loyal friends, most devoted Christians you know, confronts you like that, it gets your attention. And so I went away from that conversation reflecting, what am I doing wrong? I'm sharing the gospel, and I'm preaching these sermons, but somehow people are not getting it. They aren't motivated to go and witness. They're actually demotivated. What can I do to change this pattern? And so, after a few days of reflection, I made a decision that I was going to institute a consistent, ongoing, transferable leader uh, evangelism training program in my church. Now, the particular program is not consequential for the podcast. Uh, I'm not here to sell any particular program or to convince you to go back and do something that's three decades old or anything like that. But back in the day, I selected a program that was promoted by our denomination. I got myself trained in that program. I took a lay person from my church to the training as well. And we came back with a resolute determination that we were going to train people to share their faith with each one of us training two people for a period of a semester so that those two people would get in, would get thorough training from us in how to share their faith. And not only that, but especially in the early days, those two people that we were going to select would, would work hard to train some other people, and we'd start this, cha- this uh, chain of training that was going to flow through our church over the next several years. And we did it. <clears throat> and here is what happened as a result. Our church started reaching more and more people with the gospel. And it all culminated in one particular February. I was away for the entire month doing doctoral studies. Now, this was a long time before online learning and video conferencing, so I was traveling to the seminary for this month-long experience of doctoral seminars. I was coming home every Sunday just to preach on Sunday morning and then going right back to the seminary. That month, four Sundays, 22 adults came forward in our worship service, told me they had received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and wanted to know if they could be baptized. But here's the most remarkable part of that story. I did not personally lead any of those 22 people to faith in Jesus Christ. They were all led to Jesus by members of our church who were actively involved in sharing their faith as a result of the training they had received that enabled them to share the gospel so effectively. 22 adults in one month as the three-year culmination of our efforts to do evangelism training in our church. Now, having told you this story, 
Let me now talk about how you can improve training others to share their faith in your church. Let's first talk about the marks of a good evangelism training program. There are five of them. The first is that it is reproducible. You can do it over and over and over and over again. Now, one of the myths of evangelism training is that you can have a Saturday morning class or even a three-week emphasis, and that's all you need because now you've done the training, you've completed the task. Well, in reality, evangelism training is something that takes time and has to be repeated in order to really be effective in the lives of the participants. So the first mark of a good evangelism training program is that it is reproducible. You can do it. You can do it over and over and over again. You can do it with the same level of quality year by year by year. You can continue it rather than offer it periodically or episodically. You can continue it as an ongoing training ministry of your church. The second quality of a good evangelism training program is that it has longevity. The second quality of a good evangelism training program is it has longevity. By that I mean you commit to doing it for a while. Now, when I launched that evangelism training program those years ago, I knew that I was making a multi-year commitment to a direction for our church. We were going to do something over and over and over again for several years. Longevity. Committing to doing something and staying with it over time makes such a significant difference. Third mark of a good evangelism training program, it's transferable. It's transferable, meaning that it easily flows from one person to the next. Now, this is particularly important that you design an evangelism training that lay people can master to the point that they can then pass it on to the next person. Lay people training lay people. You know, for the gospel to go viral in a community, it's going to have to transition or uh, be transferred from person to person to person, not from pastor to person, but from person to person. And so enabling people to learn, uh, to, to learn to share their faith means that you have to create a training plan that's so accessible to people that it's then transferable because they can not only learn it, but they can learn it well enough to master it, and they can master it well enough to teach it to someone else. So I've said three things about it so far. The marks of a good evangelism training program are that it's reproducible, has longevity, and is transferable. Now, another mark of a good evangelism training program, and I would also say evangelism program in a local church, is that it has multiple ways for many people to be involved. Multiple ways. So, for example, there are people who are going to be trained in evangelism. There are people who are going to be the trainers in evangelism. But beyond that, there are also people who, are, who will commit to be the prayer partners 
for those who are going out to share their faith, and the prayer partners for those who are trying to master the material that's being taught them that they might be more effective in sharing their faith. And then beyond that, um, child care workers may be needed. Meal service may need to be provided. All kinds of support work to prepare for evangelism training, the assembling of materials, the gathering of cards, prospects, etc., the uh, creation of address lists, all these kinds of things have to be done by someone that needs to see themselves as a part of the larger evangelistic work of a particular church. And in doing that, you enlarge the team significantly. See, sometimes you think the only people that can be involved in evangelism are the people who are actually going out and sharing the gospel, and there is nothing that replaces those people, but those people are much more uh, are, are much stronger if they have prayer partners supporting them, meals provided for them, childcare provided for them, and the administrative backlog of keeping up with and processing the prospects and the names and the opportunities of sharing the faith. All of that matters as the whole team works together to get this job done. And then the last thing I would say that the last mark of a good evangelism training program is it offers recognition rewards. It offers something to those who complete it and who become representative of what it can accomplish. So for example, uh, the, the clearest one of these is to allow people to celebrate and share in the baptism of new converts. That means that when someone comes to faith in Jesus, that you recognize the people who helped them in the, along the way of making their decision. I know that when I was a pastor, for example, and someone came forward and said, I've received Jesus Christ and I'd like to be baptized, I would turn them to the congregation and say, this is my friend Tom. He's received Jesus and wants to be baptized. I know some of you in this room have had concerns about Tom and have been help, hoping and praying that this day would come. So let's recognize you. I would say something like, if you've ever shared the gospel with Tom, would you please stand? If you ever prayed that Tom would become a Christian, would you please stand? If you ever cared for Tom's children in the preschool so that he could come to worship service and hear the gospel, would you please stand? If you've ever prayed for him and for his family to come to faith in Jesus, would you please stand? And sooner or uh, later, I'd have multiple people all around the auditorium standing who were a part of the evangelism team that brought the gospel to Tom and him to faith in Jesus. It's amazing the responses, by the way, I get when I would do something like this. The person who's received Jesus would often be moved emotionally by what they experienced. They'd be surprised at who stood up, that who was a part of their journey, that who made a contribution to them becoming a Christian, that who cared enough about them to serve them in such a way that they could receive the gospel. Many, many of those moments were very emotional as people saw the commitment of so many to stand with them. And then, not only baptisms and all that goes along with that, but there's other kinds of recognitions you can give, certificates, plaques, other kinds of acknowledgments to say to people, we recognize that you've finished our training and that you're sharing your faith and that you're actively involved with getting the gospel to others, and we celebrate that together. So, five qualities of a good evangelism training program in a church. It's reproducible, meaning you can do it over and over again. It has longevity, meaning you're willing to stay with it for a number of years. It's transferable, meaning that lay people can transfer it to lay people, and that it's something that the normal person can learn and master and share with another 
everyday person. Number four, a good evangelism training program has multiple ways for people to be involved. Certainly as the witness, certainly as the trainer, but also as the prayer partner, the child care giver, the meal provider, all these kind of support roles, including the person who processes the paperwork and keeps the file straight. All of this is important as the team works together uh, in evangelism. And then, of course, recognition. Whether you hand out a plaque, give out a certificate, give a public recognition to those who've completed the training, or allow everyone to celebrate the baptisms and all that goes along with that when someone does come to faith in Jesus, all of these things are a part of an effective evangelism training program in your church. Now, that raises another question, and that is, what about denominational programs for evangelism? Why are they good, or how can they be helpful? Well, let me give you some suggestions on that. A denominational program, meaning one that's been generated by, uh, uh, maybe improved upon, and then circulated by a denomination, a denominational program, first of all, is usually stronger because it has been field-tested by other churches. Now, I know some people think, well, the way denominations create things is they they send two or three people away into a dark room somewhere, and they come up with these wonderful ideas, and then they bring those out and try to sell them to everyone. Well, I'm sure that's happened at some point, but that is not how it works in evangelism. Here's how it works. The denomination is always on the lookout for churches that are very effective in sharing their faith. And when they find one, They ask, what are you doing and how are you doing it? And can we give that away, sell that, or otherwise franchise that to other similar churches? And so quite often, evangelism training programs that are promoted by denominations actually originated in churches. And because they originated in the churches, they are field tested in those churches so that by the time the denomination starts to get involved, the process has already been proven and perfected in a local church context. Uh, A second reason that denominational programs can be helpful is that they offer training assistance and best practice adjustments along the way. In other words, a denominational person can train you in how to lead this particular evangelism uh, process in your church, and this they can also help you to make best practice adjustments, meaning that uh, they say, you know, over the last year, we've seen churches doing this or the other and shaping things in this way or that way. And giving you those best practice adjustments keeps you cutting edge with effectiveness along the way. Another value of a denominational evangelistic program is that they're cheaper and usually higher quality than you can generate on your own. And this just simply comes from economy of scale. You know, if you're generating something and you're printing it yourself and you you have to print a small number of quantities for your particular church, the cost can be quite expensive. But if you're using something that 100,000 other people are using, then the cost for production is brought down significantly. So it's typically cheaper and higher quality resources come to you when you um, uh, use a denominational approach. Here's another strength, and that is, the promotional synergy that you have with other churches and denominational entities. In other words, they're promoting this particular way of training, and your church members and others will hear about it, be be encouraged by it, see what can be done through it, et cetera, et cetera. And then finally, finally, another reason to use a denominational training model is that it enables your church and your church members to be part of something big. 
Now you say, well, people don't like that. Yes, they do. Can you say college football? People love to go to a stadium. And if they don't go to a stadium, they love to wear the jersey and follow their team uh, in their favorite location to watch the uh, event. People love being a part of something big. And when you find out that you're a part of a global, national, denominational training program for evangelism, it gives you a sense of being caught up in something that is much, much bigger than yourself. Now, let me also say, on the negative side, that denominational programs can seem stilted, and if you simply buy it and use it without any tailoring it to your context or setting, it will seem a little forced. That's one negative about them. And another negative is sometimes they they don't resonate always in different cultures or in different contexts or in different places in the country. And so I understand that sometimes you have to tailor or amend or adjust a denominational program to really make it work in your context. But nevertheless, it usually comes with so many other strengths to offset these few weaknesses that you're better off taking it, tweaking it, and moving forward than trying to create something entirely on your own. Now, having said all of that about why uh, it's important to have a good evangelism training program, the qualities of a good program like this, and then the values of a denominational program, let me then say a couple of other reasons why this is so significant. First, inspiration without training leads to frustration. Inspiration without training leads to frustration. This is frankly what my friend expressed to me at the beginning of the podcast in the story that I told you about his coming to me after my sermon. I was trying to inspire him. I was trying to inspire him by preaching this particular message and motivating him by the same. But it wasn't inspirational. It was actually demotivational. But when I coupled that with training, When I coupled it with training, then the results I was really looking for started to be evident because now my sermons were actually providing inspiration to put into practice the training that had been received and in doing so eliminated the frustration that was being felt. And then the opposite of that statement is this, training without inspiration leads to burnout. Training without inspiration can lead to burnout. Training without inspiration just simply means that you're going through the, the rope, you're going through the, uh, the steps, you're going through the process, but you're doing it as a thankless job to just get through the curriculum and get through the class and just get to the end. When in reality, what you're really wanting to do is offer the training with inspiration So you don't get to that burnout phase. You don't want people emotionally empty. You want them full. And so inspiration without training leads to frustration. And training without inspiration leads to burnout. But when you bring training and inspiration together so that they're running on parallel tracks, then there's a symbiotic relationship that develops that causes people to be more and more motivated to share their faith and more and more equipped to do the same. 
We want people that come through our churches to be able to share their faith. But if they're going to be able to do that, you're going to have to train them and you're going to have to inspire them. Now, my sense, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, from talking to our professors who teach evangelism, my sense is that in the churches, there's some emphasis on inspiration about evangelism. Inspiration meaning people who point out the good things, the high qualities, and the good reasons why this is supposed to be done and the biblical mandate to get after it. That's the inspiration side. But the training side, training side, so vitally significant that we couple these things together so that we have both working simultaneously. Now, let's end with a story. A few weeks ago, one of our students at Gateway reported in his evangelism class that a young man came to him and said that he was considering taking his own life. And our student, using the training they had received in seminary, said, well, I know that if you're telling me you're thinking about taking your own life, that you're feeling hopeless. But I'd like to share with you where you can find real hope. And then our student shared the gospel walked through the gospel presentation as he had been trained to do in a classroom. And as a result of that presentation, this young man who was suicidal prayed and invited Jesus Christ into his life as his Savior and Lord. Now, when he finished that prayer, he turned to our student and said, Hey, is there like a paper or something I need to fill out so I can get baptized? And our student said, listen, you came to me telling me you wanted to kill yourself. And now you're leaving telling me you want to get baptized. You are not the same person that walked into here a few hours ago. Listen, you can have that kind of experience, and so can the members of your church. They can have the experience of engaging someone with a spiritual need, diagnosing that it's hope they're looking for, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with them in a way that is accessible and understandable to them, and then leading them to place faith in Jesus such that their immediate response is, how do I declare my faith openly? What do I need to do to get baptized? You can have that kind of experience, and you can train others to be ready to share the gospel in that way so they can have the same kind of experience. But it's not going to happen unless you make a commitment. A commitment to building something that is reproducible, has longevity, is transferable, involves people at multiple levels of commitment and availability, and finally offers appropriate recognition so that the motivation will be there for continued evangelistic activity. I 
am saddened. I'm saddened when our evangelism professors at Gateway tell me how few people that come to seminary have ever shared their faith or ever had anyone actually teach them how to do it. I'm grateful that in our classrooms here, we can do the remedial work necessary to bring these leaders up to the standard of being able to share their faith. This is one of the things, though, that seminaries should be adding polish to, not having to do and create in the lives of students. So I'm appealing to you as a church leader to recognize that ongoing, reproducible, transferable evangelism training is an essential component of making disciples in the context where you live and work. This was a common occurrence in a previous generation. We can recapture it for today. We can recapture it not just so we add another program to the menu of what our church offers, but recapture evangelism training so that we enable every believer to have the joy and the privilege of leading another person to faith in Jesus Christ. When this starts happening, your church will be ignited with a vibrancy that can only come from one thing, and that is the newness of fresh life in Jesus being birthed in people all around a community. Think about how you might do this, especially as we get closer and closer to 2023 and you're thinking about your priorities and your ministry context for next year. Ask yourself this hard question, how am I going to do evangelism training? And then get started doing it, making a difference, helping your church members be able to share their faith as an ongoing, normal part of what it means to be believers in your generation and in your context. I know you can do this. Give it a little thought, pray over it, decide how to move forward as you lead on.